Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. Ransomware is booming, what businesses need to know. You see it in the headlines every day, ransomware attacks disrupting businesses and the economy in a broader sense. The Colonial Pipeline attacks certainly got the attention of the White House and our current administration after the attack forced the company to shut down 5,500 miles of pipeline, triggering widespread fuel shortages in the Southeast and panic buying. 2020 was a bad year for ransomware. 2021 is already shaping out to be way worse. I'm your co-host, Susanna Song, Director of Communications at Highwire Networks. And I'm Dave Barton, CTO at Highwire Networks. Hi there, David. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You know, if you follow our podcast, actually today's episode was supposed to be about patch management, but David and I postponed the episode and decided to talk about what is keeping business leaders up at night. And that is the fear that my business or company could easily be the next ransomware victim And what should I be doing proactively to avert a costly scenario? So let's jump right into the topic. What is ransomware? Um, You know, it's interesting. Ransomware really got its start back in 1994. Most people don't know this. There was um, a couple of variants that um, just started encrypting, but there was no way to monetize um, for the bad guys to get get money out of the process. Um, but effectively, uh, I saw a def- definition that says ransomware is a kidnapping of your data. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was fascinating because at the end of the day, that's what they're doing. They're kidnapping your data, encrypting it and making it unavailable for you until you pay them. Um, I think the last numbers I saw is it's a multi-billion dollar initiative they're making tons of money on stealing our data and encrypting it. And it, it's, it's a worldwide problem. It, it, it's, it's an ep- epidemic. Yeah, one step back, how does it work, David? So if, if the bad guys are kidnapping data, how do they even get in? Right. So there's multiple ways. I'd love to say there's, there's just one because uh, then it'd be easy for us to fix the problem. Um, but we in the cybersecurity community have have been pushing for years to get really good at basic blocking and tackling. And, I, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't think we do it very well. Mm-hmm. So the bad guys are leveraging known vulnerabilities in systems because we're not patching it very well, which was going to lead to our next podcast around patching. Um, they don't patch well. They don't close the holes very well. They don't um, think about the implications of people getting in. And so, you know, if, if you think about the other vector and that's the human vector, we, we click on links, we open files and then we get infected. It's that Southwest airlines commercial want to get away, right? Where the woman clicks on a link and then everybody in the office, their, their screens change and you hear the music and it's terrifying, right? That happens still. You've got websites that are designed to lure you in. And and when you get there, if you're not patched, you get infected. We call that the watering hole or the drive-by kind of infection. Lots of ways to get infected with ransomware. 
Um, but at the end of the day, there's, there's some really good ways to help prevent it. And why are we seeing uptick in ransomware? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think part of it comes back to the human piece, right? We're, we're working from home. We're not seeing the awareness training as much as maybe we did in the office. Um, we are getting spoofed into thinking it's an email from our boss. We're clicking on stuff, right? So we're opening that door. Two is our homes don't have the controls that we have in the office. So some of the stuff that might have gotten blocked at your proxy or your firewall um, isn't getting blocked at home. And so you're getting somebody at home getting infected and then it, it gets propagated through the network, right? And this just goes into zero trust. We don't have a really good zero trust uh, deployment in our environments that limits the ability of a home user to impact or infect the network. So there's really basics, zero trust, patching, um, awareness, those controls that we have in the corporate world, we don't have at home, right? A lot of cases, we send people home with a laptop that's got AV or maybe a next-gen endpoint, but that's it. And, and we wonder why the home vector is, is being used. That's exactly why it's happening. So if a user clicks on a bad link and opens the door, kind of opens the Pandora box, if right. you will, does that automatically lead to a ransomware scenario or is there a way for a uh, secure, robust security operations team or analyst to be able to stop it even once it's in? I guess so my the, question is how long does it have to be, the, the, do the bad guys have to be in the network in order to take all the data and then demand money? Oh, so the short answer is no. Um, just because you click on a link doesn't necessarily lead to ransomware. But in a lot of cases, it'll lead to an infection that will then reach out to the internet and try to download more code. And that code download gets executed locally, and now it starts encrypting, right? Um, How quickly? Like within seconds? There, there are, I mean, there are ransomware that will immediately start killing your processor because it's, searching all your files, it's encrypting them, it's moving them, lots of things. But there are there are ways to help, right? Um, I, I say this a lot. Ransomware effectively can't be stopped. And, and I'll, I'll caveat that by saying it can be almost prevented, but it can definitely be caught early. And that's, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, all we can hope for is we see the indications early so that we can turn the machine off, so that we can suspend the account, we can disable it from getting anywhere, right? If you think about defense in depth, we talk about defense in depth a lot. Ransomware starts at a, P, at a point in your environment, and then it goes laterally, and then it goes north-south. And if you've got good tools in place to catch that lateral movement and catch that north-south movement, you can get ahead of it and hopefully prevent it from doing a whole lot of damage. But it's it, until we get away from all of the 
permissions we give folks on their machines, right? There are ways to turn it off. And, and most companies won't sign up for saying, I'm taking away admin from everybody, or I'm going to deploy privilege management tools to limit what Susanna's account can do. Because at the end of the day, ransomware pretends to be you, right? It, right. it operates as you. And if I can take away what you can do, right, still give you the ability to do your job, but not the ability to start encrypting files or start propagating laterally, I win. But, but you know, Susanna, that is a, uh, that's a religious war in a lot of companies mm-hmm. because people want admin rights. They, they, they want to be able to load software. And so we have to, as security practitioners, give them tools to still do their job and maybe load software without giving them the ability to be uh, spoofed by ransomware and, and start encrypting all their stuff. Which industry? Do, yeah, it does. Which industry do you think uh, gets hard hit hit hardest with ransomware? <clears throat> I would say healthcare is probably right at near the top for a couple reasons. One is they they haven't invested as much in their infrastructure as they should have up to this point, and, and I understand the rationale behind why they haven't. However. The second reason healthcare is getting hammered is the value of the data, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the value of a credit card on the black market is about 50 cents per record, right? And that's because banks are good at turning them off, right? I can suspend a, a valid credit card and now you can't use it anymore. So the bad guys have to get credit card and turn it. Right. They turn it, they do their fraud, they get their money and they run because the banks are going to shut them off. Right. If I get your healthcare record, there's no turning it off. It's it's you. It's me. It's it's my healthcare record. It's my blood type, my DNA, whatever. I can't change it. I can't suspend it. Right. Those records are selling for 200. So you got a 50 cent record that expires and you got a 200 dollar record. That's unprotected. They haven't done the investment they need to. It's easy access. And so you're seeing banks get, or sorry, healthcare get hammered. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you don't think ransomware will ever be curbed. It'll always exist. Uh, What should businesses be doing today? A practical kind of application. So I think number one, um, and I've got a whole list that we can make available to to our audience if, if they want, of, of pra- best practices to help reduce the impact of ransomware. Um, number one is you have to have robust uh, patching. It's got to be number one on your list. Um, number two is, is put a framework together that has a, uh, a security program because Firewalls and AV is not enough. We've we've been experiencing this over and over, and that's not enough investment. You've got to do more than that. You've got to patch. Three is is teach your people better, right? Put awareness in front of them. Do some testing. Do phishing campaigns. Educate them because they want to help. In most cases, they just don't know how, right? So educate them. Um. Defense in depth, you've got to have controls that are looking for um, 
bad behaviors. And, and when we, we, we've talked about anomalies before in our podcast, you've got to be able to take a network anomaly with a host anomaly, with a user anomaly and generate an event, right? So Shazana's account's getting used. It's never been used before uh, from this machine. And so you've got a new behavior. Susanna's account is now connecting to SharePoint at 2 a.m. and it's looking at files. It's a new behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have enough of these behaviors, you're driving risk scores higher. You catch it. You, you catch it earlier. So having machine learned anomaly event data helps me catch it quicker. Without those tools, I don't catch it until it's done. Right. Um, You know, ransomware in a lot of cases reaches out to the Internet to say, hey, I'm available now and let me get some code. That's an anomalous event. Mm Got to have tools seeing those things. I'm connecting to sites on the Internet that have bad reputations. Another anomalous event where I'm getting to is if I don't have a robust plan to look at all of these anomalous events, Um, I'm not going to catch it. And so being able to correlate anomalous email with anomalous user, with anomalous network, with anomalous internet, all these events together lets me catch it quicker. Because at the end of the day, the faster I catch it, the less impact it has on my environment. Yeah, I was just going to say the key is catching it quicker. That's exactly right. If the bad guys get in, at least nab them as soon as you can. We get a lot of questions, David, about pay or not pay. Uh, right. The latest uh, ransomware attack on, we've talked about this on the Colonial Pipeline. The CEO decided to pay right away, right off the bat, about uh, $4.5 million. Now, we know this week, um, you know, it, it made the news that the U.S. government intervened and they were able to catch and bring back some of actually a lot of most of, of that money. I think all yeah. but a, all but a million, I think was the number, yes, which is fascinating. Lucky. Yes, Absolutely. completely. You're not going to have the U S government intervene for you, um, especially if you're a smaller business. So pay or not pay. Is there one solution for all or is it just no, case by no. Case? And, and I think we're going down a, a slippery slope, um, from a legislative perspective where we're trying to make it illegal to pay. And the challenge is there are organizations out there who can't afford to not pay because they go out of business. They can't generate a rep. They can't generate revenue. They can't invoice. They can't take patients. They can't do things right. There are hospitals that have had their whole patient record system shut down because of ransomware mm-hmm. and, you can't see patients. You can't take ER patients. What do you do, right? The recovery process is so long in most organizations because they don't have a solid backup plan. They don't have solid controls in place that they can't restore yesterday's backup because they didn't test it. And when they tried to test it or they tried to restore it, it failed because it wasn't valid. And I'd love to say don't pay, right? Because some will tell you that we're we're incentivizing them to do it again, right? On the flip side, there are there are companies who won't survive without paying. So 
unless the U.S. government wants to underwrite all of that and and help them pay for all their losses, I think making the paying process illegal is going to hurt everyone. Yeah. So, you know, if, if I'm a multi-billion dollar company and and you've got the keys to my kingdom and I'm going to go out of business if you don't, if I don't pay, I'm paying, mm-hmm. right? Now, what we have to do is we have to be better at, and and I love the fact that the, the U.S. government was able to track some of that Bitcoin back, right? And get some of that money back. Um, and I think if we get better at tracking cyber currency, then the ability for them to get paid will hopefully start to diminish, which will lessen their interest in doing this bad behavior. Yeah, great point. If we keep if we keep busting those guys and we send them to jail and we confiscate their equipment and we take their Bitcoin, there's some incentive to stop. Exactly. They're not getting the cash reward or the That's right. reward that they're looking for. Um, and I know people are maybe assuming that, oh, I have cyber insurance and my insurance policy will cover ransomware. Well, think again, because lately we're we're learning that there are cyber insurance companies um, that are now forcing the companies, so, the, so their clients, to deal with the direct damages right. of cyber attacks. Um, and I want to address that, and I think it is a very interesting um, trend that's happening. But we are out of time. And again, we want to continue this conversation. So please join us for episode 13, Is the Risk of Ransomware Too High for Cyber Insurance? So there's a tease for you. Come back <laughs> to our next episode. Um, it'll be David and I again. Thank you so much for those of you who are listening and are following us. Uh, We truly enjoy doing this and educating you. Um, So we um, are so happy that you are following in our journey. And until next time, uh, I'm Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. And this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcast.